For this Pentecost Sunday, we are reading the Pentecost story. It is from Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible, let me invite you to follow along, uh, or you can follow along on the screen as I read. We're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and then also verses 14 through 21. The story goes like this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for... It's only nine o'clock in the morning. So this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. to our dearest Timberlake Confirmation class of 2019. This is a letter from Pastor Matt and from me, from your confirmation teacher, Miss Bethany, from your parents, and from all of these people who love you. Today is the first day of the rest of your life as a disciple of Jesus. This is, without a doubt, one of the most important days of your life, right? Top five, easily, right? Right up there with your first day of school and your first day of marriage and the first day that you entered into this world. Because here and now, for the first time, you publicly declare that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, you begin a new life as a disciple. Now, some of you have believed in Jesus for a long time, right? And so this is not absolutely new, but up to now, this has sort of been your parents' wishes for you. And your mom and dad said to you, we're going to church. And you may have said, I don't really feel like it today. And they said, we don't care. We're still taking you to church, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. All right. It wasn't that long ago. I remember those days when my parents made me go to church. But today, this faith that belonged to your parents, now it belongs to you. Now you own it. Now you take responsibility for it. For the past nine months, Miss Bethany has been teaching you the good news of Jesus Christ and inviting you to listen for the call to be a follower of Jesus out in the world. And so now you come this morning to say yes, 
to say yes to Jesus and to say yes to the church to confirm your faith. Today is the day of new beginnings. So I want you to think about another day of new beginnings, specifically your birthday. Do you remember? Do you? <laughs> That'd be amazing if you did. So I, don't, I wasn't there, except for one of you I was there, but the others, I'm guessing, like uh, my own daughter, your family probably gathered around and your mother labored, maybe for a long time, to bring you into this world. And the nurses were there and perhaps there was a doctor or a midwife. And at the God-appointed moment, you emerged from your mother's womb into this world. And you were beautiful, a little wet, a little wrinkly, right? But everyone oohed and awed over you and they fought each other for a turn to hold you in their arms and they rejoiced because the day had finally come for you to arrive into this world. And so you were the center of attention, right? You were the reason for all the smiles and all the hugs and all the tears and all the pictures. But what's a little strange about that to me is you had no real awareness of it right? You were in your first day of life. You were the star of the show, but you didn't really do anything, did you? Except cry, maybe poop a little. Yeah, or a lot. So here's the point. Uh, This is how God's love works, at least at first. Every person that has ever lived has been the object of our God's great affection. And our young people remember from confirmation class that we call this prevenient grace, right? It's the idea that God loved us first. God loved us first. But see, we don't stay babies forever, do we? We grow up. And likewise, we grow up in our faith. We begin to respond to what God is doing for us. We begin to take some responsibility for our relationship with Jesus Christ. What we started out was happening to us begins to happen through us. Early on in the history of the church, something similar happened with the disciples of Jesus. This movement of God that began by happening to them was now happening through them, and it went like this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And just like your birthday was the beginning of your life, Pentecost was the beginning of the church. It is when the Spirit gives life, gives birth to the movement of the people of God. And so if Pentecost is the birth of the church, then today, Your confirmation is your spiritual birthday, my brothers and my sisters. Today is the first day of the rest of your life with Jesus. And like the day you were born, today there will be smiles and there will be hugs and there will be tears and there will be pictures. But there's a difference this time, right? Because you're not a baby anymore. And now it's not just happening to you, it's happening through you. This is your new life. Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Friends, today you are born again. 
What's happening is not just a human thing, a matter of the flesh. It is a God thing, a matter of the spirit. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. You see, on your birthday, you were born of the flesh, but on this day, you are born of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Your mother and your father gave you life, but it is the spirit who gives you new life. Friends, we know the spirit of God blows where he pleases, and salvation, taught us, salvation history has taught us that it pleases God to save people. When you read this book, you will notice it is the story of God saving people over time. And not only from something, not only from sin and death and condemnation, but also for something, for the new life that God has for them. And so God saved Adam and Eve for being fruitful and multiplying. And God saved Noah for a fresh start for the world. And God saved Abraham and Sarah to start a new nation. And God saved Moses to deliver his people. God saved the Israelites to be a light to the world. God saved Elijah to be his messenger. God saved a blind man so that he could see. God saved a Samaritan woman so that she could spread the good news. God saved Mary and Priscilla and Peter and Paul to start a new church. And now God is saving you. Now God is saving you and God is adding your name to the story. The spirit that was poured out on Pentecost is the same spirit that is poured out on us this day. So today is not an ending. It is uh, not a graduation from your faith, right? Right? This is not graduation. This is not an ending. This is a beginning. This is the start of something. You are starting out on a grand adventure called discipleship. Today is a day of greater things. Today is a day of new things. God said, according to the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and they will see visions and they will dream dreams. Do you get it? Do you get it? God is giving a vision to God's people, to all people, but particularly to young people. The young men and the young women will prophesy. They will see visions. They will imagine a future for the people of God. I wonder, friends, if you can see the new thing that God is doing. I can see it. I can see it. I can see new life all around us. I see the beginning of a new student ministry. I see the beginning of a mission to Puerto Rico. I see the beginning of a movement to end hunger in Campbell County and in Bedford County. And you are on the forefront of this movement. You are here right at the beginning and the faith of your parents and your grandparents and all of these people is being handed down to you for the sake of the new thing God wants to do. Not just to you, but through you. Young men and young women, please hear me. You were made for a miracle. You were made for a miracle. In just a moment, the church is going to lay hands on you 
and pray for you, and you are going to confirm your faith. And we are going to remind you that you are a beloved and beautiful child of God, that you are called as a follower of Jesus. And today we are releasing you into the future that God has for you. Now, if we're honest, and let's be honest, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, the temptation is to hold on to them, right? To say, oh, you're our beautiful babies and we can't let you go because we just want to hold you and protect you and keep you forever and ever. But deep down, we know that to hold on is to hold back. And we do not want to hold you back. We know that faith requires a risk to leave what is safe and what is predictable and to go out into what is unknown and maybe even uncomfortable. In fact, this is exactly what we prayed for for you. When you were still in your mother's womb, we prayed that you would grow up happy and that you would grow up healthy and that you would become all that God has called you to be. So today is a realization of the prayers that we have for you. So as much as we want to hold on to you, we will not. We will let go. We will release you into the future that God has for you. And we will keep praying for you and we will pick you up when you fall down and we will cheer when you succeed. And most of all, we will smile with pride as we watch you on your discipleship adventure and we will whisper under our breath, God, we did it. God, we did it. But we need to be honest with you today because life with Jesus is not all smiles and roses and candy bars, right? It is hard and it is painful, and it is scary. And if you do it right, it will cost you your life. It will cost you your life. So today, we need to say something to you, young men and young women, that is different than what you will hear from other people out there in the world. I wonder, do your parents ever have expectations for you that are different than what your friends' parents have for them? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, okay, I figured. Uh, See, that happened to me all the time when I was a kid. And usually it was Ronnie Adkins. Uh, Mom, how come Ronnie gets to drink Mountain Dew at dinner? How come Ronnie gets to stay up past 8.30 at night? How come Ronnie gets to shoot a BB gun? And how come Ronnie gets to ride his bike on the busy street? And how come Ronnie gets to watch rated R movies? You know, I wasn't allowed to do any of those things. And I had a hard time understanding then, right? But what I appreciate now, I'm glad that mom and dad had a certain expectation for me. I'm grateful that they indoctrinated me into a certain way of life because when you follow Jesus, it's supposed to be different. When you follow Jesus, you are supposed to be different than everybody else who does not follow Jesus. So the world is gonna tell you, you don't have to go to church. Just, you know, show up when it's convenient as long as it doesn't conflict with sports or band or or whatever. But we're gonna tell you today, you do need to go to church. You need to come here every week and confess your sin and experience the forgiveness, the grace of God for you and be filled up with the Holy Spirit power so that you can go back out and face the world again that week. And the world is gonna tell you, you're number one. But we're gonna tell you today, nope, you're not. Jesus is number one. And everybody else in this world is number two. And so at best, that makes you number three. Can you handle that? Yeah, okay, maybe. All right, we'll work on that one. 
We'll work on that one. That's hard, right? The world is going to tell you there are many equally valid paths to God. But we're saying to you today, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. And you will never, ever make a more important commitment than the one you are going to make to him today, right here at this rail. The world is going to tell you religion is a good thing only if you don't take it too seriously. But we're saying to you today, religion is a good thing only if you do take it seriously. So what does this look like? How do we do this? How do we get started? Well, here's the how, my friends. Uh, I would keep wanting to call you boys and girls. You're not boys and girls anymore, are you? Young men and young women. Uh, here's the how. This is the takeaway. And if, if you're a note taker, by the way, this is the time where you might want to write this down because this is where it gets real, friends. This is where it really makes a difference in how you live and how I live. And so this is how you begin a new life with Jesus. It has three parts, faith and commitment and action. Faith and commitment and action. The first part is faith. And the rule of faith requires one thing, expect God to show up. Expect God to show up every night while you sleep and every night while you sleep and every day while you're at school or at home on the couch or at the pool, God is working for good. Every moment of every day, God is working for good in the world. But see, not just out there in some sort of nebulous kind of undetermined way. God is also working for good in your life every day, all the time. And see, the difference is not whether God is working because God is always working. The difference is whether we notice or not. Are you looking for God? Are you opening your eyes to see what God is doing? Expect God to show up. You will not be disappointed, I promise. The next piece is commitment. We're inviting you today to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and to decide in advance to say yes to anything that Jesus asks from you. To decide today, Jesus, I'm gonna say yes to you no matter what you ask from me. Isn't that what we ask from our kids and our grandkids? Yeah, that's what Jesus asked from all of us. Say yes to Jesus no matter what he asks you to do. Agree that you will do it. So follow him wherever he leads you to go and love any of the people he asks you to love and serve any of the places that he wants you to serve. Decide in advance to say yes. You see, the temptation is to kind of pick and choose and just do those things for Jesus that are comfortable, that fit with our preconceived ideas about who Jesus is or about who we are. But Jesus is pretty clear. Following him is hard and it's even painful. And if you do it right, it will cost you your life. So decide to say yes, no matter what he asks from you. And you'll find that you end up doing things for God that you never, ever thought possible. Faith, commitment, and finally, action. Action. Look around you and see evidence of the movement of the Holy Spirit. See what God is doing and then go and join in. Do you know I hear from a lot of these people, they say to me, Pastor, I don't know what God wants to do with my life, right? And we ask that question, right? We wrestle with it and we pray about it. But what I've found, friends, as earnest as that question is, sometimes it leads to paralysis and we spend a year or five years or 10 years or a lifetime just sort of waiting, saying, God, I'm waiting for the sign. 
Just tell me what to do. And meanwhile, we're missing millions of opportunities all around us to go where God is already at work. So here's the formula, friends. The formula is not sit back and wait for some sign. The formula is look and see what is God doing around you and then go and join in. Go and join in. And so where God is feeding hungry people, go help. And where God is teaching children how to read and how to be loved, go and help. And where God is listening to the stories of hurting people, go and help. See what God is doing and go and join in. Following Jesus really is this simple, friends. Faith, commitment, action. Faith, commitment, action. Expect God to show up. Decide in advance to say yes to anything God asks from you. And look for where God is moving in the world and go and join in. So today we release you into God's future. To be born again to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest thing that we could ever hope for you in your life. And today it becomes a reality.